Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. I'm Justin Thind. Today, it's about basketball. And as a result, we're joined by one of the premier voices of college basketball in the MSU sphere. And that's David Klein of SpartanHoops.com. David, how are you doing today? Well, thank you for the kind introduction. I'm great, Justin. I mean, we're a couple days away here from this getting kicked off and I'm, I'm pumped. Special time, March is elite. Not, not many better months than this in all of the calendar. I guess the first thing we will start with, as uh, this is a Michigan State podcast, is we can preview the Michigan State-Davidson game. And then after that, we'll just run through portions of the bracket. Um, we'll look at the East region and some storylines throughout. But I guess first off, looking at Michigan State-Davidson, I don't know how much time you've had to kind of watch Davidson games. I know you were in the middle of that uh, before we started recording this. And I've watched a couple of their games uh, that are available on YouTube in their entirety. The Alabama game, which they won by one, and then the Dayton game, which they lost by six. The Alabama game was from December. The Dayton game was from earlier this month. I guess, yeah. So first off, how, how deeply have you gotten a chance to look into Davidson so far? Yeah, so I haven't done like a full dive, but I have watched them live like a couple times during the course of the year. I just watched the Richmond game uh, like you, and I was basically like through the first 10 minutes of the Alabama game. That game, I'm really fascinated to see kind of how it right. goes. Um, and I just watched the beginning of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, it looks like Bama's going to murder him. And then that kind of that switch flipped a little bit. So I wouldn't say that I'm 100 percent brushed up on it, but I'm beginning to familiarize myself with the team. Um, and the first thing that kind of comes off the page is they just run really good stuff, right? Like, I know right. it's like cliche to say they're a well-coached team that runs good sets. Like, and if you don't play disciplined defense, they can absolutely beat you with backdoor cuts and setting picks. And they have, they have a bunch of guys that can shoot the three. And it's a situation where um, really, if you let them get open on the perimeter and you let them run their sets effectively, they can generate pretty efficient offense. And I think that that's the thing that worries the most. Um, and I would say without Michigan State's Big Ten run um, in the tournament, the way that they looked, I would probably have been a little bit more scared of this matchup, but they actually looked like they bought in on the defensive end basically all three games right. um, that we saw in the tournament. And so it changes it like a little bit for me um, and how I'm feeling coming into this because I think that if Michigan State really locks down on the perimeter – and exert some of their athletic advantage. I think that it's a pretty clear advantage to Michigan state in this game. Right. I agree. So kind of just diving into what I took away, most of these observations actually come from that Alabama game. So you can feel free to correct me or kind of validate whether you are seeing some of these same things as well. I'm kind of just looking through the strengths. Well, first of all, just big picture. Davidson is eighth in the nation in three point shooting. They shoot at a clip of 38.4%. I'm sure that won't surprise anyone as that's kind of what they've been known for. Um, The second thing I noticed is they free up their shooters, a lot of stagger screens, back cuts, curl action. So like you said, a lot of motion, a lot of cuts. They don't really generate the offense through a dribble drive where they collapse the defenders onto them and kick it out to shooters. I know that's something that Michigan State has struggled with, especially overhelping. Um, so that's, that's not how they do it. They just have a lot of great sets in the half court and they just have a lot of cuts, a lot of movement, and they confuse people just like you were saying to go along with that. They don't require a lot of separation on their three point attempts, just watching some of these shots against, um, Alabama, especially their six, seven winger, uh, last name Lee, uh, that dude does not need much separation to shoot over people in the corner. So a lot of action, a lot of cuts. Guys get open just enough, and it's enough for them to fill it up from three. But on the defensive uh, rebounding component, they send four guys, so you're probably not going to get um, a chance to get a lot of second chance points. But similarly, as a result of that, you're also not going to be running in transition against them too much. You'll be able to get back and get in your half court and maybe not worry about losing shooters in transition, ideally. Also, when they're playing defense, they provide uh, a lot of help on screens in an efficient manner. They're not one of those teams that don't know how to defend a ball screen and you just kill them over and over again, kind of like Michigan in the second half at the Breslin. Not, not that. That's not what they're going to look like. 
Um, and then right after the help and show on a screen, they get back really quickly when you try to reverse the ball. So just really, really sound defense overall, not a lot of mental lapses. Um, and then pretty much any sort of hustle and discipline related cliches you can provide. Um, I know they do kind of turn the ball over somewhat, but just in general with the way they play and, and the way they operate, it's not a team that's generally going to beat themselves overall. And I guess some of the weaknesses I kind of jotted down here was they don't do a good job when teams that have athletic point guards kind of put the ball on the court and get to the basket. Alabama didn't do that as much as they should have, in my opinion. But when they did, Davidson kind of struggled to meet that challenge head on. They kind of had to over pursue. And that's where Alabama did get some kickout threes or just layups at the basket. As a result of getting back on defense so well, they don't get many offensive rebounds. They're 330th out of 350 teams in offensive rebounds per game. So Michigan State should not be giving up tons of second chance points here. They don't have a fast-paced transition attack, as I was saying. And then they don't create a lot of offense through the dribble penetration. That transitions into my first key for Michigan State is they should refrain from collapsing on the dribble drive, leaving shooters open as a result. Like I said, Michigan State's been killed by that in certain games. Um, or even just doubling in the post. That's something Michigan State won't have to do this game. So they don't need 40% shooters from Illinois cashing threes and and winning or anything like that. Um, The other key is A.J. Hogard has to make it a point of emphasis to go at the basket, whether it's to score points for himself or whether that's his way of initiating the offense and opening up shooters. And third, they just have to come up with the physicality come out with the physicality they've had in these last three games and the game against Purdue at the end of the regular season. Davidson is not used to playing this combination of size and athleticism and toughness. You can see them occasionally playing teams that are tough and tenacious in the Atlantic 10, but then they don't have the size. You can see them occasionally playing teams with size like Alabama, but those teams, they don't bring the grittiness and tenaciousness and they're kind of finesse. Michigan State would be one of the unique challenges where they possess both if they come out with that sort of toughness. So I'll end my monologue there and I'll let you get a breath in. Oh, sorry um, for going on. I on. think that you're hired, man. That's, that's where I think so. You should have just wrote the preview for me because uh, <laughs> I, I was writing some like longer thoughts of how that big 10 tournament ended. I cut some film. I got an article out today on that. I should have just, I should have hired you to do that. And you could have just written the article for me and save me all the trouble no, so no, no, no. i think you're, i think that yeah. was a great that was a great breakdown in terms of yeah. kind of what you see is both the strengths and the weaknesses i think if you're just like looking for a little comfort out there maybe we'll throw yeah. a little bit at them yeah um they only played three teams in the top 57 all season they went one and two they beat alabama who was 25 uh, they lost to san francisco by five points and they lost to dayton 82 to 76. So by six points. So they only played, I don't think they didn't make it. Richmond obviously did and that, and they lost to them. So they only played two tournament teams, three tournament teams, I should say the entire season. So some of the stats that you see in terms of like the three point percentage, the two point percentage, you know, I think some of that has to do a little bit with some of the competition that they played. The, The one team that really was athletic and kind of has been up and down all season has been Alabama, and I think that that, you know, when I get through that game, I'm going to have a little bit better idea of how they end up beating. But the, the way that it started, it just looked like they started running their stuff. And like you said, they're not going to really beat themselves. They're not going to put themselves in positions, you know, defensively. They're getting, they're sending four guys back. So they're not going to really uh, press you whatsoever on the glass. So Michigan State really has to focus on limiting one shot possessions because they're not really going to go after offensive rebounds. Um, it is going to be difficult to get out in transition, like you said. I do think that there's some lateral uh, deficiencies with the roster as a whole for Davidson. And I think that the guards, if Walker goes and Hogar definitely can get into the paint relatively easy. It's just making good decisions when you get there, which obviously that Purdue game, I think he did a very good job of just that 10 assists to just zero turnovers. So I think that there's clear advantages. Like you said, like this isn't a game where Max Christie's going to get bodied by a bunch of dudes. Like right. they just don't have that. You know what I mean? So he's going to be able to maybe get a little bit more downhill than he has been of recent in the big 10 play. I think that, you know, Gabe Brown is going to be able to sky for some rebounds in some of this. I think Malik Hall, Julius Marble, Marcus Bingham, all will have athletic advantages inside. I think they have a pretty solid 
big man that can score in the paint if you're not right. patient and keep your feet. But he really never gets off the ground. I mean, his, his vertical is like, you know, Joey Hauser's basically. So it's not right. a situation where he's running up and dunking on you. He's just very patient and methodical. And if you keep your feet uh, and make him take tough shots, I think that they can protect the interior. So I, I just – I think I like the matchup generally. You're right. Lee's the guy that can kind of get loose a little bit. When I was watching the first, you know, game and a half that I'm peeking, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Matt McQuaid. Is that weird? Like the way that he moves, he's more of like a side mover. So he takes right. a screen and he can pump fake it. And then he goes on the other side of that screen and, and can shoot kind of from that. So he's not a guy that's really taking step backs, but he runs well off screens and he has a good pump fake and can move laterally to be able to get into a shot. And he's a dangerous guy. You gotta, you gotta chase him, but you can't run into him because he can definitely pump fake you and, and, and create some space there. So, but they don't really have anybody that can get downhill. Like you said, most of it's backdoor cuts. There's not like a bunch of guys that are going to break you down off the dribble. I do think Michigan State can create some pressure in that regard. And really, if they can turn over Davidson a little bit or just you know make them take tough contested shots like we saw kind of them do in the Maryland game, we saw them do in the Wisconsin game, like make them take tough shots uh, and then turn it around into some fast break points here and there on occasion. Um, I think that Michigan State can – overwhelm them i just you know they have to play disciplined defense from the very get-go right yeah i i agree i think uh, like i was kind of saying earlier and like you were saying like they have to come out with an edge like they have to come out being tenacious punch them in the mouth figuratively speaking and just kind of wake them up and be like this is not your typical atlantic 10 team and they come out there kind of sluggish and exchanging baskets without really any sort of uh, tone setting going on, then Michigan State could kind of be in for a longer day than you'd ideally like. Um, But yeah, like off the shooting, um, Michigan State should not be giving up empty shots. They will, obviously, because they are very, Davidson's very good at their actions, at, at their cutting, at their motion. But in regards to if Foster, I think lawyers, they should just switch everything. I'll be honest right. with you. Yeah, I don't think that there's anybody that can't be guarded by you know a, like outside of maybe Marble, right? If Bingham's in the game, I would be fine with him switching on any of their guards because nobody's going to blow past him. They're exactly, he's too long, and he's. I think you switch everything, and you don't worry about who's guarding who because you have the athletic advantage basically at every position. Exactly, because I did notice on the few times where Alabama was reluctant to switch these wingers had those guys running all over the court on some of these motion sets. And it was kind of mind boggling to see Alabama, not just kind of switch things on. on this has actions. been a bad Alabama defense. They were really good last year. This Alabama defense is, is nowhere as near as good as they were last right. year. They just, they're not a collected group on that side of the ball. Right. Yeah. So that's a great point. Switch everything. That's a bullet point that should be at the top of Michigan state's um, scouting report. Great point there. But just, yeah, I'm going to lose my mind if I see maybe Foster or one of these guys take a couple dribbles in the paint and two people crash uh, and try to try to cut off that that penetration. Because take your lumps. If they occasionally happen to drive on you, take your lumps and maybe just have Marcus Bingham meet him at the rim and take your chances. Do not do not crash. Do not collapse on the dribble drive because I will lose my mind if any. Open There's nobody that's going to beat you that, that's that, what like, I'm saying. in that mid range or at the rim. Like there's nobody that you have to worry about. So I'm with you. You let, if he, if you get beat, you rely on the help defense right. and then you do not. Yeah. You do not let that, you know, everybody collapse in on it. So, right. So do you see any way that Michigan state loses this game? If Dayton does not shoot, I guess does not go nuclear from three. Um, I think that that's probably the recipe for them. I mean, they could backdoor cut us and they could just run some efficient stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that they're going to have to knock down some shots to beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like we're in agreement there. I guess, is there anything else that you want to touch on there in terms of this game? Maybe, I don't know if you are willing to just, give a just score my lone thought is that like, yeah, I kind of feel bad for foster lawyer. Like yeah. he, he like got away and he's had a really nice like run with this team. They make the tournament and he doesn't like, he can't just go in his piece, you know, like if he right. beats us, then everyone's going to hate him. If he loses, it's like his career was ended by Michigan state after he left there. Like that's kind of a sad, I mean, I just think that 
if they did do this for the storyline, that's pretty fucked up because Foster Lawyer got like the brunt end of this one. I don't yeah. think there's like a win-win situation for him at all in this. Yeah, because so. I know Michigan State fans would have been rooting for Foster to make the biggest run in this tournament. hundred percent. We would have been definitely rooting for him to like bust somebody's bracket open. Right. And now it's like now it's like uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. So and they really could they really could have done so. I mean, they still can, obviously, but like if they were somewhere on the other side of the bracket. I would be lying to if I didn't say I'd be considering them as one of those teams to go quite a few rounds here, maybe a sweet 16 kind of upset Cinderella run, not final four or anything, but. And before the big 10 tournament, don't you think that we would have said that Davidson's totally upsetting us. Right. So like a whole weekend changed our outlook for what maybe could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so I think this is about Michigan state, right? Like if, if, Davidson just hits like a bunch of contested threes somehow and it just goes crazy. That's one thing. But I really think that the only way Michigan State would lose this game is if they just failed to execute. Because if they play their best game, they should beat them by right. you know, eight, eight, ten points, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. I think even if – I think if Davidson shoots even just two or three, four percent above their average from three, I still think Michigan State has a chance to win this game because of the fact that unlike the usual scenarios where you see a team go nuclear from three and then you struggle to beat them when your shots aren't falling, like that Syracuse game – it's harder to drive in some of those games, but I think that's always going to be there for Michigan state in this game. So even if they do get into that sort of a shootout with Davidson, I don't think Michigan state's offense will be going stagnant in this game while giving up a lot of jump shooting on the other end. So that's, I don't think Michigan state's ever going to be at that point where they're just like, Oh, everything's going in for them. And then we can't score anything that always kind of gives you a little hope is when you're like, okay, it, it'll be blow for blow. Even if we do get into that kind of shootout. Um, Cause Davidson, they're, they're good. They're fundamentally sound, but they're not those ball stopping athletic long two, three zone kind of guys that you're like, okay, these guys can just put a halt to our offense um, on certain days. I just don't see that with Davidson personally. No, the only thing that they do well defensively is, rebound well and again yeah. i think some of that has to do with the schedule that they played respect yeah so yeah schedule i think that four guys right i mean they're they're you know yeah. i just think that michigan state is going to have some advantages on the glass from some of the wing areas like how many if jay nagins plays 20 minutes how many rebounds can he have this game like four at or least, five at least six <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. i think that i think they can press some of their advantage and i'm just hoping walker can go because i'd like to see him get a little loose and maybe hit a couple shots and just have like a little momentum. Like if he, if he can play this weekend um, and Michigan state finds a way to win this first one, I, I would really like to see him get a couple shots up before he's on that kind of stage against Agreed. probably Duke. Yeah. 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 If Walker is a hundred percent or even like 90%, I, I just cannot see a way that Michigan state won't end up getting the job done. Um, a guy like Walker, like if you recall, he hasn't been the greatest defender this year, but he hasn't been bad, but, he, when he was at Northeastern, this was similar, not, not equal. It was lesser competition, but it's similar. It's closer to the competition he yeah. used to play against back then. I and think he, he, he can get a defensive three or four steals this game. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was defensive player of the year when playing competition similar to this echelon. So you have a guy like that. You're, you're going to have mean, a hard time. If he's, if he's healthy, he could go between like lightning quick Walker and then just like the bully. Whole guard, yeah. and that's the two guys Foster has to go against the whole night. Yeah. Like that's, it's going to be a long night for him. I think. Yep, I agree. Okay, yep. I, I guess I'll put a cap, I'll put a bow on it by saying that um, once the alternate line comes out, I'll be taking Michigan State minus four here. I don't know if you have any prediction of yours or anything you want to give here, but that's kind of how I'm feeling with this game. Yeah, I don't know. Like these ones, I just that first game, I'm never going to bet on it. I just I stay away. Like the yeah. play, I'm just I don't want to jinx anything. I'm super superstitious about it. Like I don't know. Just get the first one under your belt, and then you know let let the cards fall as they may. But you got to absolutely win this first one. Right. Got to win this first one. No right? doubt. No doubt. Okay, so we'll go through the East now as a whole. Gonzaga, Georgia State. We'll both take Gonzaga there. I'm guessing. Yep. Okay. Boise State, Memphis. Now here, before we talk about it, I want to give a, I guess, a quote. This was from the uh, podcast that Matt Norlander um, and the CBS Sports guys do um, every single year where they kind of preview their region by region. And when they got to this game, what they said exactly was, quote, 
Memphis has been the second best team in the nation behind only Gonzaga, according to Bart Torvik, since the day that Imani Bates stopped playing basketball for Memphis. So that is the kind of team you're looking at here with Memphis. I know they're a nine seed. I know they're a team that was kind of uh, in all the memes and jokes a few months ago, but the second they got rid of the dude that was kind of in the way, they have been the second best team, according to Bart Torvik, since that span. So, um, DK, what do you think happens in this game? And we don't have to talk about Imani Bates uh, ad nauseum or anything like that. <laughs> you had to throw that in there, though. I love it. You know, there's no shame and just continue to drag it, I suppose. You know, that's been your thing, so you can you can totally do it. Yeah. I mean, um, so I mean this... Sam Sam Vicini from The Athletic tweeted that out yesterday too, and he's a very unbiased, neutral kind of scout NBA analyst guy. So I figured if he can bring it up still, uh, why why shouldn't I? Yeah, so this matchup is like kind of similar styles colliding. Neither one of these offenses are particularly great. Uh, Memphis is 50 and 76 for Boise State. The defenses are much better. Boise State is 17th overall in defensive efficiency, and Memphis is 31. So I expect this to be a little bit probably more of a slugfest. Teams lean on the defensive side of the ball and probably some offensive stagnation in spots. Um, I mean, Memphis has been playing pretty hot. Uh, they ended up getting beat pretty bad against Houston, who kind of, you know, lost their two best players and then somehow has found a way right. to continue to win games. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily a terrible loss. I mean, Ken Palm has them as number the number four team still, despite the fact, um, you know, that they lost their top two guys. Right. The offense and the defense is is top eleven in both. Like. They have the makeup of what you'd think to be a championship team. Just, you know, I think it's going to be really tough for them because of the, the losses that they had. So I guess long story short is I probably will ride Memphis on this one, but it could go either way. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm taking Memphis uh, just because they are playing with their best players now and uh, they've been looking good recently. And I think they can at least get this first win here. Next game, UConn, New Mexico State. I don't have a lot of insider analysis here. Um, I'm taking UConn. They um, just seem like the more athletic, bigger, faster, stronger team. And uh, in March, uh, I I guess unless you have a really, really cold shooting day, I'm just going to tend to choose that team if I don't know much about either team. Yeah, we played UConn, obviously, in the Bahamas. I've I've peered in on them a couple times just to get an idea of kind of what they they have like big athletic guards. RJ Cole was the point guard. He's kind of more of a score first guy, but that's been UConn's style over the years. Um, you know, I don't hundred percent trust Hurley to be honest with you either right. brother, but this one, this one's better than Bobby, but I, For you sure. know, yeah, I think that um, UConn could maybe win a couple here. So I'm definitely going with UConn. Right. Yep. Um, and then Arkansas, Vermont. I know Vermont is everybody's flavor of the month for their kind of upset pick. John Becker is getting all the love uh, this month here. I, I kind of have succumbed to that hype. I've chosen Vermont here. What they did to UMBC in that conference title game that I watched, absolutely dismantling them. I can see them maybe stealing a game here to start the tournament. I don't have them making any huge run or anything like some people, but I kind of did uh, go with the mainstream hype here and choose them to win the first game. Are you smarter than that? Oh, I'm going to choose Arkansas down the stretch. They went 15 and three. They beat a ton of good teams. The SEC was the best conference this year in right. terms of like the top end talent. Um, and they beat, you know, they beat all the good teams. They beat LSU twice. They beat Kentucky. They beat Florida. They beat Tennessee. Uh, you know, they ran into a hot Texas A&M team who made it to the finals. I don't think that there's really any shame in either of the last couple losses that they've had. And I think that they, they get the job done. Okay. Rutgers slash Notre Dame versus Alabama. What do you have here? Yeah, I just – I love Rutgers. I love this Rutgers Me team. Um, Pamela's a weird team, man. I don't know quite what to make of them. They're capable of beating anybody. They beat Gonzaga earlier in the year. 
Um, and then they kind of just – the defense gave out on them and they have, have not played well on that side of the ball and it's led to extreme inconsistency. I'd like to think that maybe Rutgers could get them. Um, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, I'm going to go Rutgers over Bama. I have Rutgers here too. Um, my thing is I was kind of leaning towards Alabama until I saw that Davidson game. And it <laughs> was from December though. That was so long. This is ago. true. This is true. That. But the other thing is the only other two Alabama games I've seen this year are their loss against Auburn. And then I want to say half of their loss against Texas A&M. So that's just the preconceived notion that I have of Alabama is just not a positive one. But yeah. just just from but that, they ended on a, a like a three game skid. They lost to Texas A and M, LSU, and then they lost to a, a bad Vanderbilt team. So Yikes. not a not a sterling way to yeah. end the season yeah. coming into March. Yeah, just just the things I saw from the reasons they lost that Davidson game. Like they had an advantage um, getting to the basket and didn't utilize it enough. They didn't switch like you were saying. They, they were just kind of a mess in ways that. I guess you really shouldn't be if you're watching tape on Davidson and knowing their tendencies. It wasn't just that Davidson kind of went nuclear. I don't believe they did. So that, that just kind of soured the taste of my mouth in regards to their preparation and kind of how they approach some of these things that you pointed out very quickly through your Davidson game watch. So not, I guess I kind of don't have the same feeling towards Nate Oates uh, this season as, as before, but we don't need to go down that road. Um, yeah, I have, I have Rutgers as well over Alabama there. Next, Texas Tech, Montana State. I have Texas Tech. Yeah. Sounds good. Davidson, Michigan State. Or, yeah, Davidson, Michigan State. I have Michigan State. I do too. Duke. And Duke. Yep. Yep. All right. Working our way, I guess we can just start from the bottom where we are right now. Yeah. Duke, Michigan State. Who do you have? I think Duke. Duke ends up winning that one if we have the matchup, but I think they make it interesting. I I have a hard time seeing Tom Izzo with the opportunity for revenge for all those years of having a very lopsided record against Coach K, a Coach K team that is now caught in this um, spectacle of Coach K's last dance thing and them not playing very good basketball their last three games got ran out of the gym at the end there by Virginia Tech, got ran out of the gym by UNC at the very end, snuck by um, in their game that's slipping my mind in between uh, those two games. Just they're not playing their best basketball right now. I think everybody would tell you Duke is a more talented team. Um, Paolo Vancaro is one of the elite talents. He's, he'll be a top five pick in this year's draft. Trevor Keels, you can just go on and on about about the guys they have, but they're just not peaking at the right time. I know they've only had about two losses here in the last couple of weeks, so it's not like they're in a huge skid. But I just see a team that's caught up in, in things that are beyond just them playing their best basketball. And there will not be a more motivated coach or even, I guess, a more motivated team in the first half of this tournament than Duke, um, than Michigan State getting to take out Coach K and Duke. So I'm buying okay. too much I, into the fairy tale. I love the storyline. I think it's great. I think that there's a certain an angle to that. And I think maybe the biggest part of that angle is what you touched on is like the circus that's going on. The amount of pressure that's been like placed on basically, you know, a lot of the freshmen are underclassmen. There's right. not like a ton of guys that are like upper class vets like they've had over the years, you know, occasion. Um, so it's a situation where this is young guys. It's a lot of pressure. They blow the UNC game. They blow the ACC tournament game. Like uh, it's, it's definitely, there's something that's possible that could rear its head. My only thing is like, who's guarding Bancaro for Michigan state? Like, are we going to start Joey Hauser on Bancaro? Is that how the game is going to start? So just like the, my initial, my initial thought is that is like, okay, so Bancaro's going to score the first like 12 points on us. Malik Hall is finally going to check in and then the game is going to begin basically. Like, I think that, that Williams in the middle is an athletic threat there. Um, AJ Griffin is playing himself into like a top right. 10 pick too. Like they have, they have a lot of talent and I think Michigan state could have some extra motivation and make that a game. But if Duke ever like gets firing on the right cylinders, like they come in and they just blow out CS Fulton and they just needed a game to get going. Um, I absolutely think that this offense could overwhelm Michigan state. I think that they would struggle to guard some of the positions that they have and some of the athletes. So 
I'm going to lean towards just being safe and like right. heart of heart. So would I like to believe Michigan State can win? Could they maybe? Yes. But um, I think that I, I just, I don't know. We just had that elite aim to make the final four. We're going to really have that magic to end the season. I mean, it would be special. I would love to see it. Right. Um, I'm going to let put my realistic hat on and just say, how, how does this matchup look? And I'm, right. I'm not sure it favors Michigan State. <laughs> I, I guess let me ask you a short question that you can just answer with a couple words. If you look at Duke as a collection of talents, they're obviously better than everybody Michigan State has played this year. But if you look at them as a team and you take into account the way they play together and the results and all of that, how much better are they than a Purdue or an Illinois or I guess even an Iowa right about now? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I guess you competed with Purdue, but I, I'm still maybe not 100% buying. And I think Purdue is going to win some games because of how good the offense is. But right. when they get into a dogfight and they can't like lean a little bit on the defense, I, I think that's going to be troublesome for them. Right. Uh, you know, Iowa's playing as good as basically anybody. I'm, I agree. I'm excited to see what they end up doing. I, I just think, you know, when talking about Rutgers, it would almost have been better for them not to be a top four seed and to like get a game or so before that because they just caught a bad matchup with the hottest team in the conference yeah. and, and ended it for them there. So, um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that there's a point to be made in terms of if the collection of talent isn't playing well. We've saw that. I mean, Cam Reddish, you know, Zion Williams and – um, who's the third guy? RJ, RJ. Barrett didn't like, the pieces didn't hundred percent fit. And maybe there's right. some of that, like there's not a true point guard for Duke. And if Michigan state's guards play well, that first game and look like they're humming, then could there be an advantage there? Like, there's certain parts of the matchup that yes, I like, it's just right. It Fair enough. To, like, again, I don't know, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds good. All right. Rutgers and Texas tech. Texas tech, Texas tech for me as well. UConn and Arkansas for you, or UConn and Vermont for me. I have UConn regardless. Yeah, I have UConn as well. Gonzaga, Memphis. I have Gonzaga. Yep. Okay, Gonzaga, UConn. Gonzaga. Same. And then Texas Tech and Duke for you. I have Texas Tech. I have Texas Tech over Michigan State here in this spot. Okay. I like that's your gift. You you can you somehow find a way to be Duke Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, just, fucking brutal. Just, just get get him into the second uh, weekend, and that's that's all you can ask for this year. Yeah, that's all we wanted this season. <laughs> right. Um, and then Gonzaga, Texas Tech. I have the Zags. Me too. All right. I guess we don't need to go through all the games in the other regions, but let's go through who you have in the elite eight in the other regions. And then we can also sprinkle in some storylines along the way here. I guess let's start here in the East. Um, So my elite eight in the East is UCLA and Kentucky. Those are my two as well. Okay. I think this is a little bit of a weak region. I I think Kentucky has a pretty comfortable path. I, I expect us that we get to see Kentucky Purdue, which I think is going to be fun. Um, but Kentucky has the best defensive center in the country. And where, I think that's going to be right. problematic. Yeah. Where do you have Baylor losing? Is it to UCLA? Yes. They could lose to North Carolina. I agree. I, I think that North Carolina has better guards, but Baylor, if they lock in on defense, um, can – can right. beat them. Yeah, I have I have Baylor losing to UCLA, but I thought long and hard about that North Carolina Baylor game, as well as long and hard about Virginia Tech and Purdue. But Virginia Tech just doesn't have the height, so Purdue I have winning that. Okay, so on the in the Midwest, my um, elite eight, elite eight there is five seed Iowa and two seed Auburn. What do you have there? You said five seed. What'd you say? I, yeah, my my teams in the Elite Eight for the Midwest are Iowa and Auburn. Who do you have in the Elite Eight? I'm sorry, I was looking at the South. Oh, you're good. I have Kansas and Auburn. Okay, okay. I guess I bought into the Iowa hype a little more than you did, but um... yeah, I don't know. I think that that'd be a great game, and I think I think that if Kansas doesn't defend the perimeter well, they could absolutely get bombed on that one because I yeah. think Iowa's a much better offensive team. So, how far do you have Wisconsin going there? Is it a loss against Auburn? 
I do have them beating Iowa State. Yep. Yep. Okay. Same here. Yeah, I have LSU losing in the first round as well with their um, with their bagman coach out of the way and them getting coached by an interim dude. So don't see that panning out well for them. All right. South. I have Arizona and Tennessee in the Elite Eight. Who do you have? Those are the two I have. Okay. Where do you have Michigan season ending? I have them losing to Tennessee. That is what I have as well. Yeah. They'll Where... beat Colorado State, I think. Colorado State, basically from what I've I've read and listened to so far, Colorado State's going to kind of spread you a little bit. They've kind of got a mismatch four slash five guy. Um that's going to cause some problems for Michigan. Neither of these teams are going to defend particularly well. And I think just Michigan's going to overwhelm them inside with Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. I just, there are not, there are not many teams that have been able to slow down Hunter Dickinson yet. And any of the teams that have, they have one of those big, big presences on the inside and Colorado state just doesn't have one of those guys. So that right there is pretty much the only X factor that, that I point to when I make that pick. And um, I guess the next thing to look at here in this region is Ohio state. And uh, my guy, I don't know if he's your guy, but Drew Valentine, I know he's, uh, he's the guy I'm high on right now in the coaching ranks, but I cannot say that I'm very confident that this is a year where Loyola will make a run. What do you say? No, they're not going to make a run. Um, I could see that being a coin flip there because Ohio State doesn't really defend and Loyola runs pretty good stuff. Um, the two best players on the floor will be on the Ohio State yes. side of the ball. It's just like, what does the complementary pieces look like? And again, Holtman is like running currently through an end run, an end run stretch where he's just like losing games left and right. right. Like they they really struggled down the stretch, and they've done this multiple seasons now. He's like closed the season each year in the last few years, like on a losing streak. It's yep. it's not good. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's just Malachi Branham and yeah, EJ Liddell yeah, overwhelm yeah. them. I think that they could, um, but I think it'll be a good game. Yeah. I actually have Ohio state there. Unfortunately I have um, Joey Shaq Brunk who's unstoppable um, and then Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell uh, kind of beating uh, Drew Valentine there sadly, but that is, that is my pick. Who do you have taking that game? Um, I have Loyola Chicago, so I, I I'm just buying in a little bit to the <laughs> magic. I, I got it. I got to root yeah. for. Uh, that's one of who I'm going to be rooting for. So fair it's enough. An fair easy enough. Decision. Yeah, I just let the record to reflect that. That's who I'll be pulling for, despite my bracket choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are you thinking about Nova here? Because I'm curious what your thoughts are there. That's the this, this one of the is, hometown. Yeah, this love. is not this is not a usual Villanova team. I've watched them quite a bit this year. They have some pieces that can go off on occasion. Brandon Slater's of the world. And these guys have kind of shown um, to be dominant and take over in stretches, but there's not a Villanova guy this year, like whether it be a Jalen Brunson or Ryan Archidiakono. And I don't believe in Colin Gillespie at the level of those point guards that I've kind of named. If you kind of were to go back and rank some of these Villanova point guards, Corey Fisher, Scotty Reynolds, like I Colin Gillespie is not on that level. I get he's Biggie's player of the year. I get he's like the four-year guy. He's the next in the Villanova lineage. I just don't think he's a guy that's going to take over and win you some of these games and grind out points and go get you too. Um, I hate to say it, but it's just not a Villanova team that's built to make a Final Four run. And what happens in years where Villanova doesn't make a Final Four run, or I guess in the years they don't win a championship, is they don't make it out of the first weekend usually. So that is where I'm kind of leaning to with this team. And Jay Wright needs to find a way to get back to getting those big dominant centers uh, back with the Mufta Yaru's and Daniel Achefu's and, and Omari Spellman, even though he's kind of a little guy, like they need to have a dominating inside presence and kind of run the offense through them. And that's just lacking here. So personally, I'm not believing this Villanova team. I have them winning the first game against Delaware, but I do not have them getting past Ohio State in the next round. I think that they probably would eat Ohio State's lunch a little bit. I think they would dissect them and, and probably <laughs> shoot them up. I won't lie. Much I think I have coaching. a losing to Tennessee. I, I know what you're saying about Kellen Gillespie, and you're not wrong, but the point guard play across the country is is pretty pitiful. Like he honestly might end up being the best point guard 
in the this country. Is, yeah. it's, like it's such a down year for point guards yeah. that that's the fact. He's but, composed. He runs the offense well. He yeah, doesn't he, make mistakes. He's an even keeled guy that you have confidence in. He's a coach on the court. He's just not a elevator of teams. I guess is how I would put it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with right, that. Right. You know, it, it is what it is. You, yeah. You're used to some pretty special point guards over the years, so I yeah, get it. That's true. Yeah, I remember right. just I remember just jumping up and down on my couch watching Corey Fisher take it to the hoop and some of these real point guards. But yeah, you're you're right there. I, I honestly might switch that before Wednesday. You've been spoiled. You've been spoiled a little yeah. bit. I think you've been spoiled with the point guards, so you're like yeah. a little upset about this. And then you look around the rest of the country, like, oh shit, maybe he's like one of the better That's ones. True. Out there. So <laughs> That's true. I kind of watch these Villanova games in a cone, and I don't I don't watch as much overall college basketball as I used to. So that's good for you to bring that into perspective for me and not take it for granted so much. So, um, okay, so Tennessee um, is where you have Villanova losing though, still. Yep, I have them losing yep. to Tennessee. I, I know that Rick Barnes has a history of not being good in March, but I think that this team is is solid. I think it's rock solid. They play really good defense. Kenny Chandler's kind of coming into his own late in the stretch here. He's a yeah. special point guard, freshman point guard. So I, th- I think that they have a few pieces to make a little run. And if you're just kind of looking at a team that could cause Villanova some fits, I think that they right. match up pretty well. Yeah, I think they're going to be ball stoppers against some of these Villanova wingers that they rely on to get some of those baskets. So I definitely think that even if I change my pick to Villanova beating Ohio State, that I would have their run ending there. So does that final four look like for you the same as mine with Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Auburn? I don't have Auburn. I have way too much chalk. I know that I do. I just hated everybody, honestly, in that region. Yeah, like That's true. Auburn's guard play down the stretch has been really bad. They have one of the best front courts in America and Walker, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Like that's a really special group, but the guard play when it was making shots was fun in the beginning of the year. It hasn't been so much. Wendell Green's kind of struggled. He's still a high volume guy. So he has a tendency to almost shoot you out of it or to make bad decisions and put, put themselves in uh, poor positions late in games. And I just don't know if you can hundred percent cross them in Kansas is pretty solid. If it's not Kansas, I think it's Iowa. Is that a crazy thing to say? That is not a crazy thing to say because March is all about guard play. And yeah, that's a solid point about Auburn. So, I mean, a guy like Jordan Bohannon and some of these guys that have been in college for like nine years, I mean, you might take some of these guys over what Auburn has in the backcourt. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say at all. Honestly, this is like, I would say the Midwest bracket for me is the teams that I just like hundred percent don't trust. Like, I don't know right. who I'd look up and like Wisconsin could Wisconsin. win a few games or they could lose the first one. I wouldn't surprise me. Right. Like, Auburn, I think will win a couple of games, but they'll get to a certain point. And I'm like, can you trust them? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And Kansas doesn't have great guard play either. Remy Martin's been on like glued to the bench. He was injured for a little bit, but he's, he's not played a ton for them lately. And they're relying on Dewan Harris. Who's not really a scorer. He's just more of like a, you know what we call like a what do you call like a quarterback who's just like a game manager the game manager basically he's just out there not to make mistakes and to run the offense so there's there's really not a ton of great guards in there and maybe i'm talking myself into iowa making a final four now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just don't trust anybody there if they can get past providence like that's the game i almost worry about the most for them because providence could actually like find a way to just grind their way to some games in this bracket see yeah see the, the the thing you said earlier about you don't trust anyone in this region i think providence and wisconsin are the two perfect microcosms for that because um, I forgot which website it is, but whoever does the luck matrix and kind of calculates um, how lucky these teams have gotten and how many wins that's accounted for Providence and Wisconsin are two of the 10 luckiest teams in the last 20 years. Um, yeah. So that them being in the same bracket just kind of puts the exclamation point on your, on your point there about this being a bracket that is not very trustworthy. I think some of their style play just ends up dictating that they play closer games and they found ways to win a lot of those. So there's something to be said in March when it gets down and you've played in 10 games that have been decided by six points or less, where your style of play is almost putting you in that position and you know that you have to execute down the stretch because you've done it over and over again. So there's something to be said on the flip side for it too. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Fair enough. So, um, I guess that about does it. What are, do you have any overall thoughts or no, I guess let's just go ahead and round it out. Who do you have in the national championship game? 
I think Kentucky beats Gonzaga. I got Kentucky and Arizona. And the winner? I ended up taking Arizona this year, but I could see it go either way. I probably will do two brackets, and I probably will pick both of those teams just on the flip side of it. So I I think Kentucky is good enough to cut it all down. I think Gonzaga is. Um, I don't think Kansas is, to be honest with you. I think it'll be either Arizona or one of the teams from the other side. Right. So my question to you, because I have Arizona winning one bracket and Gonzaga winning the other, do you have any concerns about a first-year head coach in a deep run in March and maybe that being a reason to not choose them as a – because I know Tommy Lloyd is a great coach. He's basically the shoe-in for National Coach of the Year. Um, but do you have any concerns about this being his first big dance as being the head coach or is being under Mark Few for all those years kind of just erase any of those doubts? I kind of it erases it for me. And I think yeah. he's got a good group, like the front court's big and athletic. He's got an NBA wing. Like, Care Chris, uh, I think he snapped a photo of his He'll ankle be back. on Instagram. Yeah, it was pretty badly bruised. He I, Whether he's back this weekend or the next, I, I don't even know. I think they yeah. could probably get through this weekend without him. Right. Um, so if, if they make it to this point of the, of the postseason, he'll be back by then for sure. A hundred percent. So I, I guess you just look at it. I, I'm not overly concerned. No, I think that the years under Mark few have done him well. And, you know, he's just from day one, he's built a roster. Some of it was there and some of it he brought in uh, to put it, to be a one seed for the first year. You worry maybe just about the pressure of being at Arizona after Miller choked for so many years. So yeah. maybe that's like somewhere in the back of your mind, but I just think if they get to the sweet 16 um, and, and they get out of that first weekend that they'll be in cruise control. And I, I think they're one of, I think they're the best team in the country. I really do. Yeah. I've, I personally am rooting for Arizona to have some success here. I think the way they play is fun, but more importantly than that, Sean Miller never won anything despite going to great lengths to cheat and to kind of see Tommy Lloyd just come in here and win and be the polar opposite of Sean Miller in that regard, I think it would just be a real slap in the face to him. So just for that reason alone, it's kind of good to see him have more success so far um, than, than Sean Miller, or at least that's the way the trajectory is pointing. Obviously he hasn't played in coached in March yet, but that's just kind of how I look at it. But yeah. So any other, any other thoughts here before we wrap it up? No. So you said you had the Zags in one bracket and who in the other Zona winning it in the other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I absolutely think Gonzaga could do it this year. I just think if, if they get to the final four and it's Kentucky on the other side, I think that's, I just think that's probably the worst matchup they could, could have gotten for them. Yeah. Yep. Do you think so this think is Gonzaga Shibway will be able to give some fits and they're going to have a little bit more athleticism and yeah. Yeah. It'll be a good this, game though. Do you think this year's Gonzaga team is better than last year's Gonzaga team? Because I lean no. <sighs> The difference is they actually have rim protection. That's like true. Chad is a weak side rim protector and a really, really good one. And so they kind of protect Timmy and his ability to take over games on the low block with a guy that can rate some of his deficiencies on the defensive end. So I would say defensively, this team's a little bit better. They don't have quite obviously the guard play. Yeah. Ajayi um, and Suggs. Like, Suggs, yeah. yeah. And Kispert. Like those three guys are better than what they have now. But Chet might be able to just, I don't know, make a special run where he just swallows up everything defensively, like an Anthony Davis type thing where he doesn't even need to score. He just needs to, like, alter and block shots for the team and score around him. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think they're as good maybe per se, but I think when you have a top three pick, it just changes everything. Yeah, I'm just really disappointed in – what we've seen from Hunter Salas, the five-star point guard from, I want to say Nebraska. He, I thought would, I didn't think he'd be Jalen Suggs, but I thought he'd just be a step below that. Um, He has not done that. I think he's averaging the lowest single digit points per game. Um, And then Nolan Hickman, I know he was never, he was not supposed to be as refined as Salas to begin with. I think it was always pitched to him as a two-year plan when Mark Fee recruited him to Gonzaga, but neither of those two guys being, even remotely dominant kind of really took away some of the expectations I had from Gonzaga. But instead of me looking at what they're lacking or I guess in which ways they didn't meet expectations, I probably shouldn't take that away from what they have actually accomplished and let that hinder 
um, their uh, potential here. But yeah, that's that's just what I was so excited to see Hunter Salas kind of step in for Jalen Suggs, pair him with Chet Holmgren and, and see them take off. But um, oh, well, they've, they've done well. But yeah, I guess anything else, anything else before we wrap it up? No, I mean, what are you doing for the weekend? I guess like what's what does the weekend look for you? Can you start it like Tuesday at noon? Is that on the background, and then like you get it you get it going full tilt on Friday, or how do you how so, do you usually treat the weekend? So usually, okay, so I guess th- this is unique because ever since I've been watching March Madness for as long as I can remember, I've never missed any games um, on the Thursday and Friday, the first round. Um, whether it was in school, I'd be watching it on my phone under the desk or if it was a cool teacher they would have it up on the on the board college obviously nobody was going to stop me from watching the games um <laughs> the last year same thing i believe um yeah last year i was yeah watching uh no wait last year there was no tournament no 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 last year there was a tournament michigan state just didn't make it far enough um this year though unfortunately my boss at work he's going to aruba And what this means for me is that I have to kind of pick up slack on all his meetings, all his work, and he is scheduled for meetings all day Thursday, all day Friday. We'll see how that impacts my ability to watch all these games. I'm determined to let nothing change. I'm determined to watch every second of basketball, but this might be one of those first instances where having a day job kind of impacts what I want to do here with this March Madness viewing. So we'll see. I'm so sorry to hear this guy takes off, just thinks that, you know, you can leave, leave it to the little guy, right. you know, the whole right. weekend. Right. What is right. this? I and, mean, and this and is the, the one weekend of the year that every man should have the respect of just being able to take off work for himself. That's right. kind of how. I'm- yeah. And the funny thing is I haven't even done much the last three weeks. I'm three weeks into this role. I'm in a rotation program. So I just switched into this role have just been taking it chill, been doing training exercises. It's my first week really, really in the role. And here I am filling in for the head man who's off to Aruba. So we'll see. A lot of stuff will slip through the cracks. If you buy any GM vehicles, make sure you ask me which one I'm working on so you don't buy that one. I do not have confidence in this program going well. Um, <laughs> so, so steer clear. And um, ideally, I'll be able to watch all these games, which would not be ideal for your decision to purchase said vehicle. Oh, my God. Thank you for that <laughs> disclaimer. That was a perfect way to end it. So yep. thanks Thank for having me on, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, thanks so uh, much for again, your time, DK. Anytime you want to you write the article for Spartan Hoops, save me <laughs> all the preview time. You, wrote, you had it on lockdown. <laughs> I know you will be putting out something huge. Definitely something much more thorough than my 600 word little quick write in bullet point form. So when that comes and anything after that, make sure you guys go check out SpartanHoops.com. There is absolutely nobody that breaks down Michigan State hoops, even close to how DK does it. Um, I mean, nobody even in the same realm. Um, So definitely go check out his Twitter, check out his website and the off season. I'm sure DK will have stuff on recruiting that he doesn't rest. So just always make sure you're tuned into everything that DK is writing over there. And once again, thanks so much for your time, DK. Dude, appreciate you so much. And uh, go green this Friday. It's going to be fun. Probably a couple of drinks and all of us for that. So yep. uh, hopefully it's just, you know, like a stress-free game. Like we've gotten so many times this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definition of Michigan State basketball, very stress-free. All right, man. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, DK.